Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, we're, you know, today's a pretty serious message. Um, so, I mean, I, I think in order to, to um, lighten it up a little bit to start, we'll just play a little game, okay? All right? And I, I, I know, you, you know, have you ever noticed, like, people have, like, some people have more money than they know what to do with? Have you ever noticed that? Okay, I'm going to show you some things. Okay, here's, here's the game. I'm going to show you something on the screen that's sold on eBay. It actually sold on eBay. You're going to tell me, based on the prices on the screen, whether it sold higher or lower than what's on the screen. Just shout it out. It's participation. It's okay. All right? So here it is. First one is someone's wisdom teeth. Did it sell for more than 10 or less than 10? Higher. You guys are smart people. It sold for 20 bucks. Whoever bought it is like, I don't know. But anyway, all right. The next one, anybody have some leftovers from breakfast this morning? That stuff can sell. Okay, so a piece of French toast partially eaten by Justin Timberlake. Did it sell for 2000 higher or lower? You're like, what is wrong with people these days? All right, so all right, here's another one. Sweatpants that were autographed by Gary Coleman. You know that's not for the amount of fabric used with Gary Coleman. You know, he's not the tallest guy in the world, okay? It sold for $400,000. <laughs> you remember the gum that you stuck underneath the um, desks in school? Right, right? You just didn't know that was Britney Spears' gum that somebody pulled off of there. And did it sell for 3000 or more or less? Okay, you got to be kidding, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Actually sold. Uh, okay, so a tissue used by Scarlett Johansson. A tissue used by... Lower. Someone finally came to their senses. They only paid $5,300 for a used tissue. I've got one over here if you want to make a contribution to missions or something. I used one earlier today. It's fine. Um, okay. The last one, a handful of Elvis's hair. Higher or lower? <laughs> so there you go. Okay, that's okay. Now you're wondering, all right, what does what does this have to do with anything? I I know. Like there are people who spend money on things that we would never dream of spending money on, right? I mean, you're like, look at this going, ah, that's crazy. I, I know there are things out there that are worth some money that, you know, antiques was kind of, I'm not talking about that. This was kind of crazy stuff. But, but even antiques and just things that we spend our money on can get crazy at times, right? I mean, it's just, we, we, we've got money and we spend it on things that uh, may or may not be that important. I'm sure none of you in the room has spent any money on anything like that. If you have, I apologize for calling you crazy. But you know, used, used tissues. I'm not sure that makes much sense to me. But, okay, last week, 
you talked about joy and contentment and all those things about how it responds to money and being content with our situation. Well, today we're going to talk about being discontent with someone else's situation, okay? There comes to a point where we ought to open our eyes and see what's going on around us and be discontent for what is happening around us. Today we're going to spend some time looking at compassion for the poor. And just because we have extra money doesn't mean we need to spend it. Just because we have extra money doesn't mean we need to, you know, buy some of Elvis's hair. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to happen. We, having extra money is still something that we should plan for and use with purpose. And there's nothing wrong with going on vacation with the family. There's nothing wrong with spending some money those ways. I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad because you just went on vacation. No, we all take vacations, but... All of our money is not designed for vacations. It's not all designed to be used on ourselves. It is actually designed by God to be used to accomplish purposes that are planned by Him to be useful. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. It's important for each of us to, to be thankful for what we have. To be thankful for where we live. I mean, we talked a little bit about Veterans Day, right? I am so thankful to live in this country. Okay, with its freedoms and all the things that come with it and the people that have sacrificed and, and, and given their lives that we could have uh, th those freedoms and to experience the things we have and the freedom and the, and the, the benefits of what America brings for us. Um, because truth be told, if you look at where you are, like, I don't care, I, I mean, I, I can make this statement. Like, I, I don't care where you are in life and what you make you are better off than at least 90% of the world. Like, like, what you have, we have more money to spend and live on than most of the people in the world. The poorest in our country are usually better off, the poorest in our country are usually better off than most of the rest of the world, the rest of the developing world in particular. Let's put it in perspective a little bit. Haiti, okay, uh, we've gone to Haiti and, and, and just the experience there is, is pretty incredible. But in Haiti, 50% of the country lives on less than $2.41 per day. Okay, save you the math, it's $879 per year. Okay, 50% of the country lives on that. Okay, in the United States... The number that live on that kind of an amount of money is 0.7%. Okay, so seven tenths of 1% live on that kind of income in America. Now, there are people who live on that kind of income in America, and that's wrong. And that's one of the reasons why we have to have compassion for the poor, not just in other countries, but in our country as well. So, so having compassion for the poor matters. It doesn't mean that everything, you know, life for everyone in America is easy, but in most cases it is, or it's easier, all right? It's easier than the rest of the, the, the developing world by, by far. Um, today we're going to take a look at a passage in Deuteronomy 15 that gave the Israelites instructions on what their responsibility to the poor was and actually can inform us in a way that we ought to respond to the poor among us today. So Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 says, But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, 
Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Don't be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. Now, we need to talk a little bit about poverty um, and, and meeting needs of the poor. And just to understand poverty a little bit better. Um, I, I've read a book. Um, it's really a missions book that Pastor Bo recommended I read six months, a year ago. I don't know what it was, but the, the title of the book is When Helping Hurts. And the principle is we need to figure out how to give in a way that helps people and not hurt them. Okay? And so there's an important process there. But understanding, here's what they say about poverty. Poverty is the result of relationships that do not work that are not just, that are not life, that are not harmonious or enjoyable. Poverty is the absence of shalom in all its meanings, and it's the absence of peace. So when you think about poverty, it is a financial problem, but it's not just a financial problem. But finances is a part of the problem. So, so lack of housing, food, water, clothes, etc., that's poverty. But for people and organizations that base themselves in Christianity... It is more than just providing the basic necessities, but also poverty is rooted in broken relationships. So the solution to poverty is rooted in the power of Jesus' death and resurrection to put all things into right relationship again. So really, at its foundation, poverty is a relational problem. So poverty alleviation is not just about giving of material things. It is about taking care of the whole person, the social, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual aspects of the person. To be able to alleviate poverty properly, the right mindset is needed. Believing that money or material things can solve it will instead cause poverty to be elevated instead of being alleviated. So when people view that money is the problem, that that's the solution, look, if, if money could solve it, we could have solved it already. Like, we've thrown millions and millions of dollars into certain countries, and I'm thinking it's in the billions of dollars that we've thrown into some countries, but money doesn't always solve the problem, okay? Money is only a part of the equation. It, it's necessary. We have to do it. We have to provide resources or it doesn't fix it. But if we only provide resources, it actually tends to hurt more than help. And that's the principle behind that book, and, and that's not what this is all about. But, but we have to recognize that we have a responsibility, not just as a church, but as individuals. We have a responsibility as individuals to care for the poor around us and among us. In some ways, being generous to the poor is about helping them today so they survive to experience what God wants for them. Um, th th that's really where we start. Look, God has a heart for the poor. We see it throughout the scriptures. In fact, he gave instructions to the people of Israel when he, they were first settling the land. And when they were doing it, he, he told them, look, as you grow crops, like 
again, here's, here's a really funny piece, okay? If your survival depended on me planting crops and having leftovers, you are in trouble, okay? But the children of Israel, they knew how to plant crops, and they were given specific instructions that as they planted crops, leave the edges unharvested. And whatever falls on the ground, leave that as well. Okay, and we see it in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 9. It says this, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines. And do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so, so very specifically, God says, all right, you're going to plant crops. You're going you're to have a great harvest. Leave some on purpose. Now, that kind of goes against what we would normally think, right? I mean, we think, okay, if I've got something planted, I'm trying to squeeze as much as I can out of it, right? If I know, like, I've got, Another $50 sitting out there, another $100, another $1,000. Am I going to leave it sitting there? No, probably not. But God has said to the Israelites, and he does say to us as well, that we need to care for the poor. So some of our abundance, some of our extra, is designed to meet the needs of the poor. So, the re there are reasons why some people are poor, Right? There are, pe there are people that, look, they're poor because of their own decisions. There are other people who are poor because of decisions of others, including their families or other things. One thing is important, even though there are poor, and some of them are poor because of their own decisions, that does not eliminate the responsibility for the follower of Jesus to be active in the elimination of the pain of the poor person. Okay, Just because somebody got there on their own doesn't mean that we shouldn't help them, okay? I'll draw a quick conclusion for you. I'm going to pull the Jesus card on you, okay? It's pretty easy. All right, here's the deal. How many of us got to a place where we were sinners on our own? All of us. Jesus, out of his kindness and love, gives his life so that we can be forgiven. We got there on our own. He gives us grace. The same is true for us when it comes to helping the poor. Because some have gotten there on their own. Give them grace. Some have gotten there because of other reasons. Give them grace. There is an important thing here that God is wanting all of us to recognize that there are poor people around us and he wants us to do something about it. Look, there's a, a three thoughts from, from Deuteronomy 15 that I'm going to pull out as we go along. And here's the first one. The first one is be generous. Okay? One of the hallmarks of the early church, as well as what we see here of the Jewish nation, was they were generous. They were to be generous. In fact, they were commanded to be generous by God. But in Acts chapter 2, it's not a command. They just did it because of what they've experienced. So Acts chapter 2, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Yeah, generosity, they were generous, 
all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who are being saved. Okay, we can go on just a few years later, maybe not even that long, but, but very soon after. Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. There were no needy people among them because those who owned lands or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, when you look at that, when you look at that moment, you, you begin to realize, look, they were selling land and houses, and they would sell things. They would sell things on eBay. Somebody had some extra Elvis hair, and he was put on eBay, and they, hey, look, they raised some money. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, now, for missions, we're okay with it, right? I mean, like, we'll sell all kinds of things for missions. Uh, you know, I could sell you a, a pie pretty quickly for a few hundred. I know, it's sold for that before here, so, you know, I'm... I'm We'll do that. But they would sell from their abundance and they would give the money to help meet the needs of the poor. They gave to the apostles to give to those in need. That's what they would do. So, so look, we're commanded. And we could go through lists and lists of why we should be generous and how that's played out in the Scriptures, but it's very clearly seen in both Deuteronomy 15 as well as in the New Testament church that they were generous people. And number two, if you don't care for the poor, you're sinning. Getting more straightforward than that? <laughs> Look, you have to understand something about this passage of Scripture. The instructions of Deuteronomy 15 that aren't like today. Okay? We don't have like a paradigm to see this and to look at this. The deal was for the children of Israel that, that God told them whatever they loaned out, the debt was to be canceled at the end of seven years. Okay, now not just the end of seven years, but the every seven years. So it was a rotation. Okay, so if you made a loan in year six, then you would get paid back on that for the rest of your six and the rest of your seven, and then the debt was forgiven. Can you imagine if our banks worked like that today? <laughs> that would be a sweet deal, right? Year seven, everybody's buying homes, okay? Because, like, wait a minute. And everybody who's got a home to sell is like, I'm not selling my home in year seven because I'm not going to get paid. And that's what was happening, and that's what the fear was, and that's what God gave the command. He said, look, don't do that. Just because the year to forgive debts is coming, don't stop loaning to people in need. So, Because if you stop loaning to people in need, now, now you have people who are suffering. They're poor. They're not going to survive. They're not, they're, they're not going to have their needs met. And so now all of a sudden, people are going to stop loaning because they knew the debt was going to be forgiven, and they weren't going to return on their money. They weren't going to return. They might never get back what they gave away at full value. So think about that one for a moment. They were loaning, but when the debt's forgiven, like there's no loan anymore, like this is, huh, that doesn't sound like a good deal. And if you don't do it, you're sinning, is what the Bible says. That's what it says there in, in, in verse 9, Okay. So verse 9 of Deuteronomy 15 says, don't be mean-spirited. 
and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make a loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. Okay, it, it's pretty straightforward. But if we stop there, there's sort of like this, huh, that doesn't seem right. But God doesn't stop there. See, we're all thinking right now in our own economy. We're thinking in, 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 in the economy of, of America. Like, if I give away a $100 item or $100 to somebody, I'm never going to get that back. But that's not God's economy. Now, I don't know how it works completely, but I do know this. The third thought is, if you are generous with the poor, God will bless you. The, the command from Deuteronomy is don't be tight-fisted. Okay? Don't be tight-fisted. Okay, so if you... Dave Ramsey, he points this out in, in, in Financial Peace University. Like, you can hold on to all your money tight, but the problem is you actually can't get any more in. Okay, if you hold on tight, you can't, you're holding on tight, you, that's all you've got, you, you, you're not going to get any more in. That's the reason why God says be generous and open-handed because he can actually put more in. See, if you hold on tight, there, there's no more coming. If you will do things God's way, he will bless us. In Deuteronomy 15, Moses teaches that helping the poor is a heart issue. Because it is a financial one. Three times. That passage of Scripture, verses 7 and 8, verses 10 and 11, three times he speaks of open hearts resulting in an open hand. Matthew Henry, a commentator, scholar from years ago, said if the hand is shut, it is a sign that the heart is hardened. But there also appears to be a principle that God will bless those who takes care of others, especially the poor. Proverbs 19.17 If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. Okay, so, so Deuteronomy says, okay, and the, and the law was teaching them, look, if you, if you help the poor, and, and you help them in the sixth year, seventh year, you're right, you're not going to get it all back. Don't stop giving like that. Just because you're not going to get repaid, don't stop. Because there's this promise in Proverbs that says, if you will give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. If I have a debtor, that would be the one I want. Okay, if I'm lending to the Lord and he says he will repay, that's who I want. Like everybody else, even the banks and even those people, they're not as dependable as God. So it brings up a faith and a trust issue. It brings into a place where if we will trust God and we will do as he says and lend to the Lord and help the poor, he will bless us. Proverbs 22.9. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Blessed are those who are generous. 
That's God's word speaking to us. He is going to bless us. Now, does that mean this? I don't know that it means this. I don't mean that if I give 100, I'm going to get 125. I don't know that that's okay. I don't know that's true. I don't know that if I give 100, I'm going to get 1,000. I don't know. But I do know this. If I give 100 and I get 1,000, that 1,000 wasn't for me to sit on. Okay, that thousand wasn't all of a sudden, oh, look, I'm making an investment in God's kingdom. Here's a hundred. He's going to give me a thousand. And then, hey, buddy, I'm doing great. This is not why he would do that. In fact, he would do that so that we would then realize, wait, he gave me a thousand. Now I can figure out how to bless others with that. He's going to keep doing those things. And we'll get to the principle in just a moment from 2 Corinthians 9. Paul writes to this church in Corinth, and any time Paul writes to a church, most of the time he writes to a church, he's correcting some problems, okay? So we've got problems. In this case, he's writing to them and saying, look, you need to be generous because there's some brothers in need. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Okay, time out for just a moment. There is no offering at the end of today. You can relax. There's no offering coming. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You know, that's the principle we just talked about just a moment ago. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now, Paul's addressing a specific offering, specifically going to the, the believers in Jerusalem. But what you see here is an incredible principle of God's provision to people who care for the poor. Look, I realize that in our city, there's an incredible organization called the Rescue Mission. One of the reasons we love to partner with the Rescue Mission is because they are doing what we are not really well equipped to do. Now, on an individual basis, with people that we know, we, we can do some things and help the poor and do those things, and we need to as individuals. We also need to support places like the Rescue Mission who are doing an incredible thing and can do what we cannot do so much better than we can do. I mean, we just can't do Look, and notice, notice. And I know they, they recently were looking for some funds. I get it. But notice that the provision of God for them in this city is amazing. And you see what the God has provided through through people and, and, and businesses and just people, just people giving and, and leaving funds later in life and all those things. And doing an incredible thing. Why? 
because God is blessing them and their work for the poor in our city. And I think we ought to continue to work in that and partner with them as much as we can and do all those things. And we ought to be serving there and all, all that stuff that comes along with that. We, we need to be a part of that because God is calling us to be a part of serving. But here's the deal. It's not enough to support the mission. It's not enough to give money away to other places. We, we literally must do this as individuals and as a church. We, we must be involved in the, the, the helping of the poor among us. Look, we have responsibilities at church. Okay, one of the things you see in, in the New Testament, and you saw it in the New Testament church, and you saw it even in the principle in, in, in Israel, was there were no needy among them. Okay? God gave them a plan, and he said in, in Deuteronomy 15, he said, look, there will be no needy among you. And then at the end, like verse 11, he says, there will be, always will be needy with you. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, See, that would have been really bad. And they're like, oh man, that sounded good. Um, but anyway, you know, you see that there's no poor, there's no needy, and yet there's always going to be needy. Okay. The ideal that God has is there should never be needy. But there's going to be. It's a reality. Jesus said the poor will be with you always. Okay, he said that. All right. And so there's always going to be poor among you. We have a responsibility as individuals to have an impact on the poor as individuals. And as a church, one of the reasons why I love Convoy of Hope is because in their giving, in their doing, in their helping of the poor around the world, they do it in the right way. When we were in Haiti last year and, and the other trips, and we're going to take another trip, and if you want to go to Haiti, you should go, and the sign-up information is out there, at least information at this point is out on the Welcome Center. The reason we like to do things with Convoy is this reason, because when we were in Haiti, Everything that we did was done through local people, okay? Because all of what we did was done through local churches, the local people. Why? Because when you come into things like when helping hurts, you recognize that if we show up in that setting, as we would be called there, Blancs, white people, we become the Savior. We do not want to be the Savior. We want to point them to the Savior. And we want the local church and the church is there to point them to the Savior and recognize it's not America that's going to save them. It's not white people that's going to save them. It's Jesus who's going to save them. It, it, that's the point that, that is made. And so everything that we do in missions and all those things, it's done that way because we must not remove dignity and access and all those things to the people who are local. And we have to empower local people to bring life change in the lives of the people that they're working with on a regular basis. So that's why it's done that way. And when Convoy's feeding 165,000 kids a day, there's 160,000 kids a day waiting, like they're doing it in an incredible, cool way. Like it's done through schools and through local stuff and, and, and orphanages. And, and you just see the work. And if you've never gone, I'm just telling you, if you've never left the country, you need to go. You need to go see it and just see it happen and see what can go on and how God can use your offering from one day to change a kid's every day. Like when we're sitting there and we're helping feed the kids and we're putting the food on the plate that we know we've helped pay for, 
it's pretty cool to sit that thing in front of them and watch the joy in their faces that that plate of food is changing their every day. It's easy to see it there. It's not as easy to see it here. And sometimes here we get jaded, we get little, little like I don't know how to help people, I don't know what to do. What you need to do, and what I need to do, is be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in the midst of living life and recognize that God is prompting to help somebody. Now, are you going to get taken advantage of? Probably. Because your compassion and your kindness will probably have you think that God is speaking and you just are being kind. And I'd much rather make that mistake than hold on tight and never help and sin. If I help someone who doesn't need help, I'm not sinning unless I know that I'm causing damage. Okay? Like if I'm giving somebody cash and I know they're about to go spend it on drugs, that would be a problem. Okay, that would be wrong. That's not helping anybody. But if I'm putting food on a table, if I'm helping people in those ways, then I'm doing what God wants us to do. He is asking us, He's commanding us, be generous to the poor. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Look, as we close this morning, no offering. Calm down. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Would you evaluate this in your own life? Am I generous with the poor? If you aren't, it's sin. And we need to repent. And are you trusting God to bless you as you help the poor among you? It's a faith and trust issue. God, I'm believing that what I give is going to help and bless people I'm helping. The money I give, I, I just believe you're going to do something with it. And I believe you're going to bless me. I believe you're going to replace things. The promises of the Scriptures are true. You are going to give me everything I need. So Lord, help me to use some of my extras. Help me even to sacrifice. And to bless those who are That's where we need to be as individuals and as a church. Thankful for everything we have, but generous with everything we have. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for this day. I pray, Lord, that as we sit and evaluate, as we look at our lives and we recognize that, Lord, there are poor people around us everywhere. God, give us wisdom in how to serve and to bless them. Lord, I recognize that in your scriptures you teach that we 
as we help the poor, as we are generous with the poor, you will bless us. And Lord, I'm not asking, God, for you to do something beyond what you're already prepared to do. I'm just saying, Lord, help us to trust you that you will do exactly what your word says, that you will bless us. That you will bless those who are generous with the poor. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and how to do it right. You would give us insights and how to best help people. Lord, strategies and plan and how to do it. But Lord, I pray that most of all, you would help us to have open hands and open hearts that we would be willing to give and to help the poor among us. Lord, we're thankful for many things you've given us. We are blessed beyond what we really deserve. And Lord, for that we are so grateful. Lord, thank you for what you've done in us and what you've done for us. Now, Lord, help us to be obedient to you and to use all that you've given us for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name.